You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black, editor and publisher of BC Bulletin and your host, Today is going to be mostly a crossover episode between Locked On Boston College and Locked On Irish, where we're going to talk about tomorrow's game against Notre Dame, a game between two programs near the bottom of the ACC. So we're going to get in and we're going to talk to Joe DeLeon of Locked On Irish about that game. We're also going to talk a little football because I cannot get through an episode without talking football and I feel like... They're the most popular topics anyway, so let's get into it. Unless you were living under a rock yesterday, the big news in all of football was the hiring of Urban Meyer by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, obviously, Urban Meyer has a deep college route. You know, he, he coached at Utah, he coached at Florida and Ohio State, and, you know, he brought national championships to at least two of those schools and a big Fiesta Bowl win at Utah. So he's a very accomplished coach at that rank. Now he's going to head off to the NFL where he's going to try to do what few college football coaches have done, which is be successful at the next level. Now, you know, if you are like me, you've followed along in the last couple of years where college coaches try to make that transition and they fail. You saw it with Nick Saban. We saw it with Steve Spurrier. But you've also had, and uh, sorry, Bob Petrino is another big one. But there have been coaches that have been successful. Jimmy Johnson would probably be the biggest one you're going to think of. Can Urban Meyer do it? And I worry because, you know, there's there's obviously positives and minuses with Urban Meyer. You have a coach that has basically had, you know, top recruiting classes every year wherever he goes. In college, you're not going to get that at the NFL. You're going to have teams that are more evenly matched. You're going to have in your in your coaching a team that has to really build up from a lot of the issues that they have. But on the other hand, they have a ton of cap space. There's going to be a lot of excitement around this program. And they get the number one draft pick in the in the upcoming draft, which is almost without a doubt going to be Trevor Lawrence. So you get your marquee quarterback. You have room to get weapons. You you know, this team is going to be a team that's going to have some, some options. So Urban Meyer is going to get the best. He's, you know, credit to him for finding a, a situation that's going to put him in uh, the best position to succeed. And I think that's that was a good move by him on at Jacksonville. Now, the big question remains, what is Urban Meyer going to do to fill out his staff? And this is where Boston College kind of, kind of dips into this conversation. The first question you want to ask, are there any coaches on BC that would end up at the, at the NFL level? And unless he finds a coach that, you know, maybe like a Sean Duggan or something. I don't see any of those coaches leaving for the NFL. You know, he's not going to go for a Frank Signetti. He's not going to get Tim Lokaboo. Neither of those guys. He wants, listen, Urban Meyer probably got a huge uh, assistant coach pool to get coaches. He's not going to go for guys from the ACC. Um, you know, the only the only coach you could ever think of that he might want to try would be like a Jeff Halfley. But Jeff Halfley's not going to leave to be a defensive coordinator, I don't think. Uh, but He'd be the only one I would think of uh, from BC, but I, I, you know, slim to none. I've heard uh, Urban Meyer is thinking of Charlie Strong as his defensive coordinator, so a coach with head coaching experience. And I've also heard that he's going for more NFL guys. 
Um, I saw Scott Linehan mentioned as OC. Now, the school that might make things more interesting is Ohio State. Now, this, these some of these coaches he has experience with. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he grabs some of these guys that he knows out of Ohio State to come with him to um, the, the to Jacksonville. So maybe what ends up happening, and this is where you would want to worry if you about poaching, you know, maybe a couple coaches from Ohio State end up in Jacksonville. Then Ryan Day looks at BC and some of the coaches he knows and pulls kids p- coaches he knows from BC. And there's only three of them that I believe have any relationship with Ryan, uh, four of them, if you consider the strength conditioning coach. So that's Scott Theron, the special teams coordinator, Richie Gunnell, the running backs coach, and um, the strength and conditioning coach, and, um, sorry, Sean Duggan. Sean Duggan, the linebacker coach. So those are the four that, if something was to happen, they there might be a, a, a possibility that they get poached back to Ohio State. But we'll have to keep our eye open on that. Now the name, you know, we talk about BC. Well, well let's talk about the Urban Bio connection. Who's the name that always comes up? That's Steve Adazio. And this was an interesting thing I was thinking about too, because I saw Burt Breer mentioned him as a possible candidate to join um, Urban Meyer at uh, Jacksonville. Now, as you all know, Adazio is the head coach of Colorado State. And he's this is his second year. He's a He's been a coach now for eight, nine, ten years as, as a head coach. Obviously, he's going to, if he was to ever take this job, he'd have to take a step down. And I think looking at it, He'd have to take quite a sizable step down because there's – honestly, just be, be realistic here. Urban Meyer is not going to stake his NFL career on Steve Adazio as his offensive coordinator. That is not going to happen. If he gets Steve Adazio to come with him, it would be under the role of like offensive line coach or you know offensive line run game coordinator, something like that. Would Steve Adazio honestly do that? That that would you know maybe he just doesn't like it in Colorado State and all those reports that came out in, in the beginning of the summer about how toxic it is over there. Maybe he just wants to get the heck out of there. That would make sense. But other than that, I don't see Steve Adazio stepping down from a head coaching position where he has control over a program to jump down two pegs to become an offensive line coach. It just doesn't make sense. So I don't think I think in the end when you look at Urban Meyer and what he's going to do. I think he's going to think big and he's going to get, you know, the Charlie Strong's, the Scott Linehan's, and he's going to fill his coach with people with experience because it sounds like he wants to, you know, he knows he's not an NFL coach yet and he needs to learn. So he's going to get guys around him that know it and can help him out. And that's a smart move to make. That's a real, you know, you're as a coach, you're you're creating an organization and, and a structure and leadership positions up and down the roster. You want those guys that you can trust. So, um, it'll be interesting to watch. This is probably the only little um, misdirection we could see in terms of coaching for Boston College all, all off season. But we'll keep an eye on it, and uh, we'll check out that. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk to Joe DeLeon of Locked On Irish about BC. You're going to first – the first segment is he's is uh, Joe talking to me about Boston College and how we match up against Notre Dame and what the season's been like. In the third segment – is we we switch it around and I take uh, I ask Joe about Notre Dame so it's something you're not going to want to miss it's a little different than what we usually do so hopefully you enjoy it now let me tell you a little bit about BetOnline.ag hockey season has dropped the puck NBA is in action and there's NFL games all weekend long and you need to get over to BetOnline.ag if you want to make yourself some money if you're if you like to gamble if you like to put a little wagers down. 
BetOnline.ag is the one place that has you covered and the one place we trust. Go over there, sign up for a free account, and use that promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus, one of the best in the industry. Now, there are games this weekend. You can look up and down for playoff games. You can get in on money lines. You can get in on over-unders. Whatever you want, whatever your heart desires, you do your research, you head on over to betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. Before we get into our discussion with Locked On Irish, I want to tell you about Locked On Bets. Now, if you're heading over to BetOnline.ag, Locked On Bets is the place to head for your podcasts and betting needs. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, NHL, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show, we are going to be doing a crossover episode with Locked On BC. Joining me right now is AJ Black of BC Bulletin, part of Sports Illustrated, and also Locked On BC. As I said, AJ, thank you for taking the time. How are you doing? This is a pretty exciting matchup we got coming up this weekend. Yeah, I know. We are just talking before the game. It's what a combined one ACC win between the two schools. So this is going to be a a battle for brand supremacy in the ACC between two schools that are uh, trying to get their... uh, pull themselves up out of the basement this week. Right. And, and thank Boston college has that one win against Miami that you were telling me about. And, and that obviously is some momentum right now for Boston college. Notre Dame doesn't have that momentum. They got slapped around by UVA, which was their big game that they could have done something. I'm curious to hear more about this, this Miami game. That's a big win. That's a big win mm-hmm. to get an ACC play. What was a big reason why they were so successful in that game? Oh, totally. It was three point shooting. So they had uh, two of their guards. So Rich Kelly, who is a transfer from Quinnipiac and Jay Heath, who is a a sophomore hit 18 threes between them. And they hit most of them. They had 52 points between the two of them. Um, But they, they were out of their minds. They shot 52% from three point range. Um, They were just, they were hitting from way downtown. They were just feeling it. And it was a game where they just couldn't miss a shot. And uh, you know, when the offense is going like that, you know, it's going to be hard to, to lose games. Yeah, certainly. And, and right now, Notre Dame's doing the complete opposite of that, which is losing games because they can't shoot uh, from deep. But besides that win against Miami, it was a bit of a slow start for this Boston College team so far. They have a number of wins against smaller programs. One of those wins coming against my alma mater, Rhode Island, early on in the year. What do you think has been holding back this BC team during that long stretch of, of multiple losses. So there's two things I think that BC has really struggled with. And one of them is interior defense. Uh, You know, they let up way too many points in the paint. They don't have, they don't have a traditional big. They have, you know, Stefan Mitchell and CJ Felder, who's like, they're both like six, eight, six, seven ones, you know, they, they kind of rotated them in playing the five, but they don't have, like, if you play, if they play against a team that has a guy that's six, 11, you know, seven feet tall, they don't have anyone to stop them. Um, and so they, they give up a ton of points. And when I was watching that Miami game, you know, BC had a 10 point lead at half, but I'm looking at the stats going, God, they let up 26 points in the paint in that first half. I'm like, that's, that's a big issue. If they stop, if BC stops hitting these threes, like they're, you know, they're going to fall behind because this, they're just giving up way too many easy buckets. 
luckily both teams, you know, Miami's offense fell apart and BC was able to continue shooting, but that is an issue in itself. It happens every game that they cannot stop easy buckets inside. The other big issue with BC is the turnovers. You know, you get it, you get them going and sometimes it just feels like they're playing well. Like you saw against, against, um, sorry, Miami, and they're, they're hitting their shots and whatever. And then all of a sudden it feels like the, the wheels fall off the bus and they're throwing the ball away. They're stepping out of bounds. It's just like really careless errors that they make. Um, and it, and it kills them. You know, at one point they had the, the, the announcers always bring it up that, you know, like it seems like every game they're up around like 16, 17 turnovers a game and it kills them, you know, it kills any momentum they get on offense. And it's a big, it, it, you know, they can't get any flow going. So you know, they beat Miami. They only had eight turnovers the whole game to, to give you, uh, you know, some context against UVA on Saturday, Jay Heath had seven turnovers himself. So it, it's a, you know, a huge improvement in how they were handling the ball and that, and that led them to win the game. You mentioned Jay Heath. And then the other guy that, that stood out to me, Winston tabs right now are, are BC's two leading scorers yep. uh, around 13 points. For the both of them, what should Notre Dame fans expect from Tabs and Heath? What type of style of play do they do they bring to this Eagles team? So it's interesting you bring up Tabs. So Tabs missed 600 days of basketball because of a knee injury he sustained in 2019 um, as a freshman, and then he missed the whole end of that year. They kind of held off with having the surgery. Did it his sophomore year? They didn't think he was ever going to play again. Um, so the, what Notre Dame fans need to know was he didn't play against Miami and I, I'm not sure Jim Christian didn't really get into it, whether that was a maintenance thing or if his knees acting out, cause they've been super careful with Winston tabs and his knee. So, you know, he started the year off as a starter getting starter minutes and it's kind of declined for him. You know, last week he was coming off the bench and then he missed this game. So I got a feeling his knee's been bugging him as it get, you know, as because he, he's had, you know, a pretty severe surgery. So don't expect much out of him. I, you know, his, his production also has gone down too. When he does play, he had the, I think he missed every shot he took against UVA. Um, so he may not play. You'll see Rich Kelly, the guy that was, you know, shooting really well uh, against Miami. He'll probably get the start. Jay Heath is very inconsistent. So you get games like you get you, what we saw against Miami. He did it against Villanova at the beginning of the year. But then he has maddening games where he just he takes poor shots um, and he gets out of his own zone. He gets in his own head. And I think that really affects him. He had some games. I think it was the Minnesota game in the Big East, uh, the Big Ten ACC challenge where he was just really out of sync. Um, So he just needs to get a little bit more consistent. But when he's he's on, he can be very dangerous and he can hit you from all over the place, whether it's flashing to the hole or hitting you from three point. So we talked a little bit about this this Miami game and the success that helped them earn that victory. What would you consider to be the strengths for this team right now? What, what do you think are the the biggest assets of this Boston College team that you know maybe hasn't correlated directly to wins, but is something Notre Dame fans should be, be a little scared of? Um, strengths of this team, the, the, <laughs> it, it depends on what game you get them. Um, Defense is definitely not a strength. Uh, so I would have to say um, shooting, I guess. They don't really have a strength. They like, you know, you saw them shoot well from threes against Miami, but before that game, they were shooting like 33% from three point range. 
I mean, one of the worst in the ACC. So that can't be a strength. I don't, I guess I would say they're most dangerous when they're attacking the rim, when they're getting, when they're, you know, attacking and they're, they're pushing the tempo a little bit. That's when they get the most dangerous. They just don't do it consistently enough, but when they do, that's when they hold, you know, hold court against Villanova or they, or they hang in against Minnesota or, you know, Duke, they, they're, they're aggressive and they get to the line and, and get those free throws. So I think that must, might be where their uh, strength and what they need to do to win uh, would, would be. At. Cause I don't, I don't see them. I don't see the three point shooting, what they did against Miami being sustainable for many, <laughs> you're not going to shoot 52% from free three point range. So last question I got here before we flip the script and, and you start asking me some questions, AJ, Notre Dame right now, and, and I'm sure this is going to come up when, when you talk to me, is really struggling to shoot from three, despite that being in the past and early on in the year, their, their biggest asset. And I think a lot of Notre Dame fans are really curious every time they play somebody from here on out it, until they get out of this funk. How would you describe BC's perimeter defense? Are, are they consistently good at slowing down other good three-point shooting teams, or is that maybe a weakness for them? You know, it's, it's again, just like everything with BC, it's, it's hit or miss. Um, I believe I saw a stat and I don't have it in front of me right now that they're pretty good against the three point shot. Um, and that they're, they're doing well, uh, protecting the perimeter. Now, um, one of the big defenders that I really like that I think is a, is a good defender is Makai Ashton Langford. He's a transfer from Providence. Um, he's been out the last two weeks, um, with a knee injury. And I don't know if that's like knee like tear he's out injury that they're, they're not very upfront with some of these injury reports so it, he he could be a, a good outside perimeter uh defender rich kelly as i mentioned before doing better on defense and in, in terms of the three-point shot but he's he's a littler guy and he's not the quickest so i, I worry a little bit more about him but he had a good game against miami so we'll see i, I think they have it i'm just not sure if it's going to show up because everything with BC, it's like, you don't see the same thing every game. Right. Right. And that's kind of the case for Notre Dame right now as well. So now's a good time here to switch sides. AJ, what do you want to know about this, this very much struggling Notre Dame basketball team? Yeah. So no wins in the ACC so far. Um, what were, you know, going into the season for Notre Dame, was this kind of what Notre Dame fans and, and the Notre Dame media were looking at for a season, or has this been a disappointment so far for the fighting Irish? I would consider this to be a huge disappointment. You're coming in after in 2018 recruiting multiple four-star recruits, Nate Leshevsky, Prentice hub, Dane Goodwin. That group was supposed to take over. They're juniors right now. And usually when you have guys that are four stars that are juniors, you reach a point where, when they're upperclassmen, that's when you're supposed to hit full stride, especially with a program like Notre Dame's. They're not always a consistently good program, but they've put out some really good years. And you're depending on those talented players to turn into uh, success on the court. And what we've seen is that success from those guys is not enough to, to win basketball games because all they have is that core group, Lashevsky, Dane Goodwin, um, and in Prentice Hub. Besides that, they didn't have much of a bench at the beginning of the year. They didn't have many rotational players. If it wasn't for that that quasi rule randomly being changed uh, for transfers, Trey Wirtz wouldn't be playing right now. And he's been one of their 
best rotational guys and also has, has been a spot starter here and there, they have no bench and it is completely killing them. This was a season where I think many expected maybe not a, a top 25 ranking throughout the year, but at the very least, not at the, the bottom of the ACC. Yeah. And, and you, just like with Boston college, you look at the schedule and you know, the ACC has some, some good teams and you both BC and Notre Dame have played a lot of them. Now, are you, when you look at the struggles that they have, obviously you play a team like UVA you score a 68 points against UVA. I know you let up 80, but that's pretty good against a defense like that. And you, you know, Virginia tech, UNC Duke, you've played some of the better teams in the ACC. Is there an expectation that this is going to turn around or is, or what, or do you think that even when you play a Boston college, a Miami or some of these other teams like Wake Forest, that they're going to struggle against these teams too. That's really tricky for me because I think the expectation is that at some point that maybe not turn it around, but at least resolve some of the issues and put more consistent play out there on the court. They look, completely fine against some of these weaker programs one of their wins is against a really struggling Kentucky team so if you can beat a team like Kentucky that has a bunch of five-star players out there in their starting lineup that just can't figure out how to play together and can't shoot for the life of them they should be able to beat a team like Boston College and a Miami and a Wake Forest but right now what's what's really killing them is just that ability to finish games you you talked about that stretch of playing Virginia Tech UNC um, the first time they played Virginia, and then the second time, the second time's not as as indicative of this, but they're winning at halftime in a lot of these games. Ohio State earlier in the year, they were winning at halftime, but they, for whatever reason, just cannot play two consistent halves. It's one half where they'll they'll shoot close to fifty percent from three. They'll be really consistent for, uh, on the floor, and they're doing everything perfectly. And then the second half, there's turnovers. There's consistently missed shots. There is just overall dysfunction, part of it probably stemming from the bench not being very good, and then the starters coming in trying to fix everything, all the damage that's been done. It's just right now nothing is is meshing well together for the second half of these games, and that's what really led to this 0-5 start in the ACC. You know, so it sounds like, you know, the the Spider-Man meme where there's the two Spider-Mans pointing to each other? Yeah. It it sounds exactly (laughs) the same because, I mean, Boston College – we were beat. We had, I think, like a twelve-point lead over Villanova going into the second half, and then the wheels fell off. It's happened. It's one of the you know the things that Boston College fans are all going at. So it's going to be a battle between two teams to see who can actually hold right. it together long enough to to finish the season. So we kind of t- talked about it when I answered some of your questions. Obviously, Boston College's big weaknesses is the interior de- the, their interior defense. Can you talk a little bit about some of the the you know the ins- the the big guys on Notre Dame, what they, what they provide on offense and um, are they able to stretch the floor? Cause that's been something BC struggled against too, is big guys that can, can stretch it. Well, thankfully for Boston college fans, Notre Dame does not have any player that I can say are, are going to kill them down low. The two tallest players on this roster, Juwan Durham, six foot 11 was the starting center at the beginning of the year has seen a decrease in his minutes because of super inconsistent play. Nate Lashevsky, on the other hand, He's been playing that four spot, a little bit of the five if if he's starting and Juwan Durham's not starting. Lashevsky's the guy that can really stretch the floor. He is their best three-point shooter right now. He's their straight best pure shooter right now. That is somebody that you should definitely be aware of because he's okay down low. He's not really a guy that's, that's well-built that's going to be 
you know, knocking around with the big guys and, and pushing them out of the way. He rebounds well, but he's not going to be a post-move type player. He's going to be somebody who's quick, hard to cover, and he's going to get open pretty easily. But Juwan Durham has been, the I think, one of the cruxes of this, this team so far that has held them back. And anybody who listens to my show knows that I am very critical of Juwan Durham because the guy is a really good defender. He's got uh, He's been averaging over two blocks a game, but he can't score. He can't play well against other physical bigs, and he's not very good at rebounding. So Durham might start this game just based on the lineup, the fact that Boston College doesn't really have a lot of tall players, but really don't expect more than maybe a 10-point outing if he starts. Now, I'd be remiss to ask. We talked about football earlier this year, so I'm going to have to bring it up. How are you handling uh, the drubbing drubbing at the hands of Alabama? Uh, I had to bring it up. I'm sorry. I know. I, I don't. How did I know that this was going to come up? <laughs> I feel like for the next few months, it's going to come up. Uh, it's been it's been weird because after the game, like uh, Notre Dame coming into it, the expectations weren't super high. They were high for Ryan and I because we thought that it was a matchup that they could at least keep it close. And a 17 point loss to Alabama is mm-hmm. actually not that bad. It looked like a sloppy game. It looked like a, they got their butts kicked. But if you look at what happened in the national championship, they played them closer than Ohio Ohio State did. And it was just it's frustrating for me because after that game, for the the time in which I've been doing this show, haven't really had a lot of negative feedback on Twitter. And I've gotten negative feedback for other things. I cover the Giants. But a lot of people were just adding me for no reason for some of the things I said going into this game. And I'm just like. Like, why are you giving me all this, all, you know, all this crap for for what I'm saying? And then after the way that they played against, uh, it was particularly from Alabama fans, just like to point out. But uh, oh, after this, yep. <laughs> after this national championship game, I now have evidence to say, like, okay, well, they were clearly capable of playing with this Alabama team. Alabama is just worlds ahead of everybody else. So it's just yep. frustrating. Just frustrating. I hear you. I hear you. It was it was a fun game to watch, and uh, I feel bad for you. But you know when when. <laughs> You, you hear the stories too. And like, they're like, Oh, Notre Dame can't recruit to the level of Alabama who can, right. you, know? you look at their roster, you look at some of their recruiting classes and they're showing it now where you have like three Heisman winners. You have all these, fr- these they're at a level that no one else is going to ever reach at this point. Um, but that's just for me from an outsider's perspective. Notre Dame fans may say, AJ, you're crazy, but no, you're, you're hundred percent right. And the, and the thing that makes Alabama so different from all these other schools is they, they recruit well. And all of those guys that don't play their first two years, they all stay. There's Mm -hmm. very few guys that decide to leave. They're okay with sitting and staying because they buy into what Nick Saban is selling and, and his philosophy of put your time in, work your butt off. You're going to be in great physical shape. And then you're going to play as a junior. And then you're going to go to the NFL. And that has consistently worked. No other program can do that. Notre Dame can't even do that. They they just lost Mm -hmm. a bunch of guys to transfers. So that's the, that's the formula for them. Well, we, we, we want to thank you for your program too, because we have our quarterback now for the next three years. <laughs> You're lucky Ryan's not here because Ryan is still thoroughly upset that, that, that Phil Dracovic is at Boston college, but I'm sure you're very happy about that. And he, uh, he, Ryan really believes that he's going to be an NFL guy very soon. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard a lot of it. So we'll, we'll, have to, <laughs> we'll talk more in the future about that, but thank you. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you, AJ, for hopping on. That's it for this this crossover episode. Um, you can follow me at Joe DeLeon. AJ, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at AJ Black underscore BC or my site is at Boston College SI. All right. Awesome.